Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Hey, I just want to reintroduce myself. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at City Life for the past four years, specifically for our young adults. Uh, married to my wife, Leah, four years old, uh, f- four years now. I got a two-year-old son and an uh, 11-month-old, uh, wait, no, no, she's 10-month, wait, she's almost 10-month-old daughter. Parents, man. Uh, but hey, I, I just want to say welcome. If you are new here, uh, we want to help you in whatever, in your spiritual journey, whatever that might look like. So if you, do we have uh, those connectors right here? So uh, make sure you just, uh, there's a QR code, put in your info, and we will also have a gift for you up front. Uh, hey, that was a great way to dismiss our kids. I feel like I want to do that every week. It's such a fun time. And again, uh, this wouldn't happen because uh, without our interns, our servant leaders who is here every morning for four hours just with the kids the whole time. And I'm telling you, it was worth it. Seeds were planted. Seeds were planted. And as what God says in Jeremiah 1, I'm watching over my word to fulfill it and to succeed according to my own purpose. So it was just a fun time. Uh, that song has been like echoing in my mind like the whole time, especially in our household. It's got to the point where the other night uh, my, my two-year-old was laying down and before going to sleep, he was doing this. Na, 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 na. Like I say, let's pray, let's pray. No, na, 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 na. I'm like, this is great, this is great. Yesterday we came for an intern event and I told my son, hey, uh, yeah, you, are you ready to go? You want to go to church again? Yeah, sure. He was like, we going singing and dancing? I'm like, what a wonderful picture, right? This two-year-old, his first picture of a church is to celebrate. It's to celebrate what the Lord has done. This is something that, again, I've been taught by my own two-year-old, and I know how to ways so I pray that it would teach us as well. Uh, again, we are for the next generation who seeks God's face. So every effort, every ounce of minute, hour to help them, to serve them in our households, in this church, man, God may be glorified. So today, we are talking about the belt of truth. Okay, as, men, as Pastor Nate mentioned last week, we, starting today, are going through the next six weeks to preach on each part of the armor of God, each part. And the belt of truth, this is the first piece of the armor, belt of truth. So absolute truth is almost insignificant in our culture these days. These days, it's about creating your own truth. These days, it's about believing in a lie that as long as that lie is true to you, then you're good. Live your truth, they might say. Speak your truth, they might say. There are also lies at war in our souls that are tempting us to distrust God. They're tempting us to forsake him. They're tempting us to produce confusion, division, and worldliness all around us. These are all the schemes of the devil. And learning how to take up the armor of God will help us Fight against these schemes. This is exactly why we want to spend the next six weeks to really dive in on each part of the armors to help us fight against the schemes of the devil. So I'm really excited. So in light of that, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6, 14. Ephesians 6, 14. I'm going to read this with you. Ephesians 6, 14. We're just going to preach on a phrase this morning. It says, 
Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. That's it. Stand therefore, and having fastened the, on the belt of truth. This is the fourth time Paul used the word to stand in three verses. Look at verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Jump to verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And we arrive again at verse 14 where it says, stand therefore. Like to stand is the goal. Your success against the enemy is measured by whether you are standing or not. So essentially the command to take up the whole armor of God, specifically the belt of truth, is to help you and I stand. To stand is the goal. To stand is the goal. But before we begin, I want to dive in. I want to give you, I want to give you, I want to give you some background information just to give us a better framework of how we can see the whole armor of God, specifically the belt of truth. Okay? Just a couple things that's just really going to help us understand this passage. Here's, number, here's truth number one. The armor of God is tested by Jesus. Okay? The armor of God is tested by Jesus. There should be a picture uh, of all the Old Testament references of the whole, the whole armor of God. Okay? So if you see, the pic hopefully should be there, uh, these, these, Paul didn't come up with the whole armor of God. It actually came mostly from Isaiah. And you see this right here. Just, let's just walk through it. Belt of truth. Isaiah 11.5 says, Righteousness will be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Breastplate of righteousness. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Shield of faith. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Helmet of salvation. He put on a helmet of salvation on his head. And sword of the spirit. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. All these Old Testament passages is looking forward and finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Which means it's a reminder for us that Jesus was a warrior. He wasn't just a carpenter. He was a warrior. And he took up the armor of God. When he took up the armor of God when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. Like he took up the armor of God when he taught from town to town. Like he took up the armor of God when people opposed him. He took up the armor of God to display God's power over evil, and Jesus was greatly victorious. And in Christ, God wants to suit you up with the same armor that Jesus used. Like this armor is tried, tested, and true. If Jesus were Iron Man, he's literally saying, yo, use my suit. Use my suit. All right, you'll get hit, you'll get hurt, You'll get tired, you might even get tested, but you will never be defeated. Because Jesus has been victorious for you. He took up the fight by being subjected, subjected to the brokenness of this world, yet lived perfectly. 
He took up the fight by dying the death that you and I deserve and rose again to defeat death. And anyone who repents of their sins and believes in him can now fight from a place of victory, not defeat. This is what it means to stand. It's to stand on the firm foundation that Jesus Christ has already set for you. And if he has given us the same armor of God to help us stand, if it's good enough for Jesus, then it should be good enough for us. But I also want to say that for some of you, the reason why you might feel insecure about who you are and where you are standing, because you are not standing on the firm foundation that Jesus has set for you. All right. What foundation are you standing on? For some of you, especially those who do not know God, the first call to action is not take, to take up the armor of God, but it's to receive the love of God. You cannot take up the armor of God without first receiving the love of God that he pursued you. So the armor of God is tested by Jesus. This is tested, tried, and true. And the next truth I want you to understand is the belt of truth tightens our spiritual loose ends. All right? The belt of truth tightens our spiritual loose ends. This is the primary function of this piece of armor. I want you to read this quote by John MacArthur with me. It says, The soldier wore a tunic of loose Fitting cloth. It's not, it's not, a, it's not like a, a metal armor. It's a dress. All right, since ancient combat was largely hand-to-hand, a loose tunic was potential hindrance and danger. A belt was necessary to tighten up the loosely hanging material. So girding up, fastening the belt was a matter of pulling in the loose ends as preparation for battle. And the, pe- the belt that pulls all the spiritual loose ends in is the truth. So just imagine, right? All right, I'm going, I'm going, I'm fighting against someone, all right? Hand to hand. It's a ba- boxing match, right? And I see this guy's wearing a dress, all right? This guy's wearing a dress but without a belt on. So there's all these loose hanging material. So what do I do as a fighter? Do I even punch him? No, right? Uh, you know, I'm going to do, I'm just going to yank his, his loose end down to the point I can drag him and then take advantage of that opportunity, right? And in the same way, this is what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to see the loose ends, the spiritual loose ends in your life and yank you down. This is his scheme. Jesus said the devil is the father of lies, And your spiritual loose ends are the lies that are at war in your souls. They are the lies that are in you and around you that are threatening your ability to stand. And the devil wants to take advantage of these loose ends to yank you and drag you down. And this is primarily the main reason why Paul first asked us to fasten the belt of truth. In addition, the belt, of, the belt in ancient armory also held the warrior's sword. So spiritually speaking, all right, the belt of truth secured the sword of the spirit. If the belt isn't secure, a warrior wouldn't be able to wield his sword. All right? All right? Belt's not secure. 
War is just going to be like, all right, just make sure it's tight. And you just can't even use a sword anymore. All right, if the belt isn't secure, all right, a warrior wouldn't be able to attach his breastplate. If the belt isn't secure, a warrior's helmet, even shield, wouldn't do much because the loose ends from his armor would be the enemy's target. In a lot of ways, the belt of truth is the very thing that holds the whole armor of God together. You cannot fight if the belt of truth isn't secure because of the spiritual loose ends that the enemy can take advantage of. So the first action for us is to tighten our spiritual loose ends by fastening the belt of truth. Now we need to ask ourselves, what are, your, what are our spiritual loose ends? What are your spiritual loose ends? What are the loose ends that are threatening us today? And my prayer, that the belt of truth would guard you, would protect you. And that for those in this room who feel like you've been dragged down by the enemy, I pray that the belt of truth would pull you back up so you can stand. So, that's the belt of truth. Now the question is, how do we fasten the belt of truth in our lives? How do we tighten our spiritual loose ends? This is the main question. The trouble here is that we're in the last chapter, all right? He says, take up the belt of truth and then put this on, put this on, put this on, put this on. Great. Be happy. Go to war. But I'm like, well, Paul, well, how? You didn't even show us how. What does this look like? All right? And this is what it helps to see the whole Bible, the whole letter as a unified text. <laughs> to say that the beauty here is that Paul has actually given us clues what it would look like to fasten our belt. And this is what I want to re-emphasize today. And I'm going to give you four ways from the letter of Ephesians to help you fasten the belt of truth. Four ways. Y'all ready? All right. Number one, embrace the truth. How do you fasten the belt of truth? Embrace the truth. This is Ephesians 1.13. It says, in him, Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with a promised Holy Spirit. So what is the truth? The gospel of our salvation. The truth is the good news of our salvation. The good news that Jesus paid away for your sins, that you have been purchased, purified, and given a new purpose to love him and find fulfillment in him. And this is now the good news that we have believed. And believe here literally means to trust. To trust. It's not just to consider something as factual, but it's to bank your life on it. All right, to trust is not, to believe is not to consider something as factual, but it's to bank your life on it. It's to embrace the whole truth. The reason why my kids embrace me is because I think they trust me. All right, the reason why my kids come to me and care me is because they think they, they can bank their life on me. They, they love me. And the loose end in our lives today is to believe in the gospel in your head, but not in your heart. I want you to listen to this quote by Tim Mackey from Bible Project. He says, truth is not an idea that you need to learn, 
Truth is a person who you must encounter. It's not an idea you need to learn. It's a truth that you must encounter. Being a Christian isn't just about arranging ideas in your head in a certain combination. It is about a person who birthed the new creation in his life, death and resurrection. It's not about information. It's about who you encounter. The loose end for us is to believe in the gospel in your head but not in your heart. The loose end is when you focus more on information than transformation. You have not embraced the truth when what you know about Jesus has not resulted in you becoming more like Jesus. This is literally Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 where he prays that we might know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That surpasses knowledge. Do you love the truth? Do you embrace the truth? Do you? And I do want to help you guys, okay? The question now is like, all right, I mean, should I just like hug the Bible all day? And how do we embrace the truth? What does that really mean, right? Uh, I've created this like phrase, this couple, few phrases for myself to help me really. I've used this the past past year now. And because the lie that the enemy wants you to believe is like, just read your Bible in the morning, you're good to go. And you forget what you read, right? That's always been the struggle. So I've created this phrase that's helped me, that has been helping really embrace the simple truths of the gospel. Uh, so number one, my first phrase when I wake up is meet in the morning, right? Meet in the morning. This is Psalm 1715. Psalm 1715, where Paul says, when I awake, I will be satisfied with your likeness. Okay, meet in the morning. That could mean you reading your Bible, right, going through your devotionals. But again, this text is a passage to help you to say, yo, it's not about going through your Bible reading. It's about being satisfied in the likeness of Jesus. All right, meet in the morning. I got kids, okay? I got kids. Sometimes it's an hour. Sometimes it's 45 minutes. Sometimes it's five minutes. But to say, God, I just want to be satisfied in your likeness, whatever that might look like. If it's a phrase of the Bible, a, a passage you've been memorizing, a chapter, who, what, whatever that works, the phrase is to meet God in the morning. All right? So we do that. And then all of a sudden we forget what we read. We forget what has God has been teaching us. Why? Because the work, we, we're working. It's busy days. So I've created a phrase for me from, straight from John 15, 1 through 17 that, call, that I call it abide in the afternoon. All right, just abide in the afternoon. Jesus all throughout says abide in me, abide in me. You cannot do not, you can't do anything good if you do not abide in me. So to say, to recognize, to say, maybe it's a quick prayer during lunch. If it's a five-minute thing of remembering what you read in the morning, if it's a Bible verse that you've been memorizing, if it's a worship song, what you're trying to do is just abide to recognize, God, I need you, and I cannot do anything apart from you if I do not abide in you. It's abide in the afternoon. It could be a prayer walk. Simple truths. And last but not least, I call it kneel at night. Kneel at night. Now, I don't specifically kneel at night. I sometimes do. But again, this is just a phrase that helps me. This is, uh, this is David in Psalm 63, 5 through 6, where he says, I will be, uh, uh, my soul is satisfied as with rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I meditate you upon you on, on my bed and think about you on the watches of the night. You can see here that satisfaction comes from meditation. 
So it's to simply recognize and say, God, I'm just going to try to meditate again what I've read in the morning, what I've prayed on you this past, uh, during the day. I want to thank you on everything that you've done all day and to recognize to say how. And all throughout the day, you say you can't read the Bible, and maybe, maybe you start 10 minutes here, 10 minutes during the day, and 10 minutes night, and golly, you spent 30 minutes. And how amazing would that be to say, wow, you can meet God in the morning, abide in the afternoon, and kneel at night in a lot of ways to help us embrace the truth. So take it, take it or leave it. This is what I've been using for my own soul. It's been helpful, so please use that however you might like. All right, so that's the first truth. Embrace the truth. Number two is to learn the truth, to learn the truth. Ephesians 4, 19 through 21, it says, They have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. This is the call. The call is to be taught in the truth. It's to keep learning the truth. Paul, right here in this simple passage, is telling these specific people, recall what they have learned in Jesus to address their current situation, which will take more learning adjustments so that they can follow God better in every unique circumstance. And the loose end for us is to believe in the lie that we have arrived in our faith. The loose end is that to believe in the lie that you know enough, that you are experienced enough and do not need to learn more. The, the lie is to believe that I have a PhD in Christianity. It's to, be compa- it's to be content with familiarity so that you stop being proactive and learning more about Jesus. This is simply what the devil intends for your soul. And to stay standing, you must keep on learning. To stay standing, you really must keep on learning. Now, part of having a childlike faith is to never stop learning. Right? Part of having a childlike faith is to never stop learning. My kid is not there yet, but every toddler I ask, always ask the question, why? VBS volunteers, can I get an amen to that? All right, all right, it's time for a water break. Why? It's time to sing. Why? It's time to play now. Why? It's time to get out of the pool. Why? 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 And there's a lot to learn there to say, yo, when we're learning the truth about Jesus, it's important to ask ourselves why. The enemy hates Christian curiosity. You know what I'm saying? Again, I want you to understand, we had VBS all week. All right, and for three hours, we were very intentional. All right, we come here, they sing, they're around leaders so they can learn from them. And they had, each day, we had one Bible lesson, one Bible verse to memorize, and one missionary story. A whole week. And I catch myself, I'm like, there are, where are those? I mean, these kids, these kids need to learn this, for sure. Absolutely, they need to go through that. Here's my question. It's like, why don't we do these for ourselves? All right? Sometimes what we prescribe for our kids are the very same things we need to prescribe to ourselves. Right? Like, to 
learn a story, to memorize a verse, to, to learn about a missionary, that's you learning and that's you standing. Right? If you're not a reader, yo, listen to an audiobook. Right? If you can't memorize a Bible verse, then why do you know a whole song? Why? I mean, I, I'm not, seriously, if you know more about Taylor Swift than the Bible verse, that's a problem. All right? I can go on and on and on, but you get the point to stay standing. You must keep on learning to learn the truth. And the beauty here is Jesus has given us a spirit to help us understand and remember the truth. Next is speak the truth. Speak the truth. Ephesians 4.15, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You see that? To stand against the lies of the devil is to speak the truth. To stand is to speak the truth. The loose end is to stay silent. The loose end, the spiritual loose end, is to stay silent and not speak the truth. The cancel culture we live in today can often cancel our courage to speak the truth. And maybe one of the reasons why your fate has felt insecure is because you have not spoken the truth of Jesus. Maybe the reason why your faith has felt insecure because you haven't shared a gospel in a while. Do not let culture cancel your courage to speak the truth. And we see in, in this passage alone, there's a pull here. There's a pull here. He's saying, speak the truth, then you grow up to become more like Jesus. Right? You can become more like Jesus when you talk about Jesus. It's not just about reading your Bible, praying, staying silent, and doing the whole thing, and you'll think you'll grow. No. Yet you, become, you can become more like Jesus when you talk and share about Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, this is the strategy of the devil. The devil wants you to stay silent so that you would slow down your growth in Christ. He wants you to stay silent to almost stunt and slow down your growth in Christ. His strategy is to, for you, for your soul, to settle in saying silent so that you would slow down others' growth in Christ. Silence slows down your growth in Christ. Back in the Philippines, there was a thing I don't know if it's a thing. My just mom just told me. Uh, where he, she told me is that you're not supposed to drink coffee before puberty so that you wouldn't slow down your growth spurt. <laughs> okay, so it is a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. All right? I'm like, Mom, I really want to try coffee. No. No. Wait four years. So as a good kid I am, I follow her, which is exactly why I'm listed at 6'3 right now. Right? Golly, I could have enjoyed Starbucks at 11. <laughs> now, can you imagine if that were actually true? 
that drinking coffee at an early age is the reason why I'm not as tall as I should be? But in a more spiritual way, can you imagine if your silence is actually the reason why you haven't grown in the Lord as much as you would like to be? Can you imagine if your silence is the main reason why you haven't grown in the Lord as much as you would like to be? Do not let silence slow down your growth in Christ. There is an opportunity of real growth in the Lord when you speak the truth. Whenever you're in moments where you feel convicted, you know that feeling, and you should share something, you should talk to this person, you should invite them to church, and you're dreading it, see it as an opportunity where you can embrace and become more like Jesus to simply plant a seed. This is also, this is what it means to speak the truth. Now I want you to understand, all right, I'm speaking the truth to people, There's also the silence of not speaking the truth over your own life. There's a silence, there's a pandemic right now of silence that is not speaking the truth over our own lives. One of the most overlooked spiritual disciplines in the Christian life is to simply preach to yourself. All right, how many of y'all know how many minutes there are in one week? Y'all know? Math whiz here, nothing, nothing. All right, I have it. Google. Uh, it's 10,080 minutes in one week. There are 10,080 minutes in one week. Listen, guys, 30 minutes of preaching, even 45 minutes of preaching every Sunday cannot cover all 10,000 minutes of your life in one week. Some of you are relying too much on a person to preach over you every Sunday where you disregard preaching over yourself and you wonder why you're not standing. You need to preach to yourself, to speak truth over your life, to say, every day I am loved. Every day I am cared for. Every day he is fulfilling a purpose for me that every day to say oh he is making all things new this is the reality of, of you say not staying silent but speaking the truth over your life to stand is to simply speak the truth to stand is to speak the truth on salvation by faith and not by works to stand is to speak the truth that God has forgiven you To stand is to speak the truth that you are under God's care. He will provide. To stand is to speak speak the truth that you are created in God's own image. To stand is to speak the truth on self-sacrifice over personal happiness. To stand is to speak the truth on community over radical individualism. To stand is to speak this truth on suffering for the gospel over the prosperity gospel. To stand is to speak the truth on the sanctity of life. To stand is to speak the truth on God's design for male and female. To stand is to speak the truth in God's purpose for marriage. It's to speak the truth in God's heart for the poor, for the marginalized. To stand is to speak the truth in sexual purity over sexual freedom. To stand is ultimately to speak the truth that Jesus is more satisfying than anything this world has to offer you. 
This is what it means to speak the truth in standing firm and to fasten our belt. And last but not least, it's to embody the truth. Ephesians 4, 22, 24, embody the truth. He says now, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, what? To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be, what? Renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Holiness. We are now living in a day and age where Christians use their words and their actions to back up their faith. Because of how easy it is to be behind the screen, we can focus more on our words that the world can see rather than our lives that God can only see. The loose end for us to believe that just because I know the truth, I do not need to live the truth. The enemy wants to lure us now to believe that just because we are doing good on the outside, we're good on the inside. But I want you to see the connection here, guys, that the more you embrace the truth, the more that you learn the truth, the more that you speak the truth, then the more you will embody the truth. And the spirit who is now living inside of you will help you, will strengthen you, will empower you to embody all that it is true so that you can stand firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So City Light, let us fasten the belt of truth this week so that we can stand. Let's pray. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. And I pray right now for all of us. We thank you for your word that you have just given us, God, to help us stand. I pray right now, God, that we would embrace the truth, learn it more, God, speak it more, and live it more so we can stand against the schemes of the enemy this week. Lord, guard us. Lord, protect us. And may we always fight from a place of victory. Lord, we love you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's also going